0: Call 1888 Recovery Now. That's 1888 Recovery. Dangerous Assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donleby as Steve Mitchell.
1: danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I can't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with me trying to decide whether I'd rather get run over or shot.
2: Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, I'm putting you on the trail of a young lady. Hey, this must be my lucky day. A very beautiful lady, I might add. Here's her picture. This gets better as it goes along. Tell me more, Commissioner. Her name is Antonina Aguirre. She entered the United States illegally after the war, was picked up by immigration officials a short time ago, and is now being sent back to Portugal. At the moment, she's on a boat in the mid-Atlantic, on to Lisbon. So I'll be there when the boat docks, huh? Why? You're to follow her, Steve. Find out what she's up to. What makes you think she's up to anything? Yesterday, the immigration department made a rather puzzling discovery, Steve. They learned that the... Anonymous tip they had received, the one that led to the girl's arrest, had been set up by the girl herself. Why? We got to work on it right away and found out that she'd been seen on several occasions with a man named Louis Cortese. A man who has, from time to time, been connected with several subversive groups in this country. Get over there, Steve. Pick up Antonina Aguirre's trail at a boat docks in Lisbon and find out what this maneuver is all about. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. (laughs)
0: National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Thursday evening brings a host of entertainment over this NBC radio station. There's comedy fun with the Andersons when Robert Young portrays the title role on Father Knows Best. Roy Rogers brings western music and adventure from the Double R Bar Ranch in Paradise Valley. Ralph Edwards adds to the fun with an hilarious laugh-filled session of Truth or Consequences. And Eddie Cantor presents another edition of his show business show. Judy Canova stars in a fun-packed adventure at Cactus Junction. And the entire evening bubbles over with wonderful radio entertainment. So, make it a date to hear all of these enjoyable programs every Thursday night. On most NBC stations.
1: Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Portugal and meet a certain boat when it docks at Lisbon. All I have to do is keep my eye on a passenger named Antonina Aguirre and find out why she's had herself deported from the U.S. and what her tie-in is with the birth of groups in this country. It's late Friday afternoon, when my plane lands, and I hustle over to the docks. The boat pulls in a couple of hours later. I wait around another 15 minutes, and then I spot Antonina trotting down the gangway. Two representatives of the law meter, and there's a brief conference. Papers are signed, and finally she's sent on her way. An hour later, she's aboard a northbound train rolling out of Lisbon. I'm in the same car a few seats away. Is the seat taken? No, no, help yourself. Here, I'll move my coat. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Excuse me. I'll uh, just put my bag up here on the rack and I oh oh oh, I step on your foot, neighbor, mash your little piggies, did I? I'm sorry. That's all right. Never (laughs) use that foot anyway. Curtis, feel good to sit down. Yes, sir. Yeah, you owe my crowd in your pilgrim. A <laughs> fat boy like me needs a lot of room, you know. <laughs> I can I offer you a cigar? Thanks, no. Yeah, yes, sir. Always been a fat boy. Ever since I was knee-high to a stirrup back in Pertwee.
2: You know... Yeah.
1: Only man I ever knew who was spatter postman in the old home town. He, he lost his job on account of it. Oh, oh yes, he was a fat one. He was. On hot days he perspired so much that the steam would unglue all the letters.
3: All <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, my name is Jessup. Sam Jessup. I uh, travel in silks. It sounds real cooling. Hey, look at that pretty little senorita over yonder. One with a pink bonnet. Yeah, I've sort of had my eye on her, too. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, program, I'll toss you for it. Eh? No, no, you go ahead. Well, there's the coat of the traveling man, you know. <laughs> you saw her first. I'll sign a release. Go ahead. Start trolling. <laughs> That's right, decent of you, neighbor. Well, yeah, I go. There's an empty seat next to Ann and Nina, and. Jessup plops into it. He goes into his pitch, but the girl isn't paying too much attention. Finally, it's easy to see she's getting annoyed, which is just how I figured it. I decide it's time to make my play, so I walk over to them. Pardon me, miss.
3: Yes?
1: Is this man annoying you? Well, oh, oh, now, see here, Pilgrim. I... Is he, miss?
3: Yes, you know, he is annoying
1: me. In that well... case, Buster, you'd better be on your way. Well, by jingles, if I don't beat all, I, I, I never... I we, Pilgrim. <laughs> been Pearl Harbor, that's what. That's the sneakiest attack I ever did. Sure, sure. Now move on, huh? Move. go code of the traveling man don't mean a thing anymore. Not a thing.
3: Thank you, senor. It was very kind of you. Sometimes these Americans... Oh, I am sorry.
1: Oh, that's okay.
3: I have met so many very fine people in your country.
1: Oh, you've been to America?
3: Yes. I'm on my way home now. I come from Coimbra, a town to the north of here.
1: Got a little lonesome for the old sights and familiar faces, huh?
3: No, it is not that. My father has become ill. Someone should care for him. But you, senor, you have been here long?
1: Uh, no, seems like I just stepped off the plane somehow. I'm here on business.
3: So tell me about it.
1: Well, I'd rather talk about the United States.
3: You've been to California? To Hollywood?
1: Hollywood, sure. Very good friend of mine lives there. Good old Daryl. Daryl Schwartz, he runs a meat market on Fairfax Avenue. Sweet fella. She wants to hear more about Hollywood, so I lean back and launch into a narrative that would have the California Chamber of Commerce drooling for a week. My uh, narrative runs down about ten miles later, and Antonina excuses herself to check on something in the baggage car. Well, it's my quizlet friend, huh? huh? Oh, hello, Jessup. Hey, you're piling up points, huh? Getting along first rate with a little filly? Ah, uh, looks that way. Not sore, are you? Oh, I'm not one to hold grudge, Pilgrim. as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm much obliged to you. Yes, sir, I admire your technique. I'm Gonna try it myself sometime. Hey, I say, the little filly ain't getting off here, is she? No, she just went back to the baggage room to, uh... Hey, wait a minute. This isn't Coimbra we're pulling into, is it? No, town up ahead's called Novantis. A uh, regular stop? Not unless somebody wants of. Why? Uh, Excuse me, Jessup. I want to check on something. I hurry through the train towards the baggage car, and when I get there, the train has grown to a stop. No sign of Antonina. I stick my head out the door and look down the tracks, and then I spot her running past the depot. I take off after her on the double Lose sight of her as I sprint around the station platform. I'm pretty sure she's headed into town, so I do likewise. It's well, after midnight, and the streets are deserted, all of which makes it easy for me to pick her up again. But it seems someone else has the same idea. A car up ahead suddenly sweeps around the corner. A gent j- jumps out and grabs Anna Nina. Let me go. Please, let me go. You
2: heard the lady buster. Let's go.
1: I'm doing my best to make him back the stiletto and still keep an eye on Anna Nina, who is now starting to back away down the street. That's why I didn't notice the guy who slips up behind me and jumps on my back. We all land in a heap on the sidewalk. I'm just getting to my feet when a size 12 foot catches me under the chin. I topple back, crash through a wooden railing, and drop into somebody's cellar.
3: Señor, señor. Oh. Señor, can you hear
1: me? Yeah, yeah. Are you all right? I, I think so. Oh, my head.
3: Here, let me help you. Can you sit up?
1: Yeah. Thanks. Well, I certainly didn't expect to see you again so soon.
3: I got away from them, hid, and came back.
1: Who were those gorillas?
3: The one in the car I've not seen before, but the other one I saw a few times in America. He worked for a man named Cortese.
1: We already know quite a bit about Louis and Antonina.
3: You know my name?
1: Yeah, mine's Steve Mitchell. Here, better take a look at my credentials. Oh, I see. First of all, why did you set yourself up for deportation?
3: To get away from Cortese. The errands he forced me to do. What sort of errands? He came to see me at the office where I worked two months ago. He said he had known of me for some time, that I had entered the country illegally. He requested my cooperation.
1: And if you refused, he would tip off the immigration boys, huh?
3: I was frightened. I did not want to leave America, so I agreed to do what he asked.
1: And that was to run an errand?
3: Yes. He gave me an envelope. I was to deliver that envelope at eleven o'clock that night to a man who would be waiting on a street corner about two miles from my apartment. Two days later, Cortesi contacted me again. Another envelope. But a different street corner.
1: How many envelopes did you deliver?
3: Two. The third one was stolen from me. Stolen? I'd never seen the man before. I was waiting at the corner one night when he jumped out of the shadows, ripped the purse out of my hands. I struggled with him, and then a passerby heard my cries and rushed up. The man got away. A few moments later, the police arrived.
1: I see. What did Cortesa have to say about that?
3: Oh, he was furious. He questioned me for a long time. Wanted to know about the man who had come to my rescue, what his name was. He seemed to think the man was implicated.
1: What was this passerby's name, do you remember?
3: Yes, Eduardo Podesta.
1: About these envelopes you carried, did you ever look into them?
3: Yes, the last one. The envelope contained several x rays.
1: X rays? X rays of what? Teeth. Teeth? Are you sure? Positive. Oh, brother. Just when all this was beginning to make sense, some guy has to shove his choppers into the act. <laughs>
0: Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. That a child may walk, that a soldier may live. That is the promise a pint of blood holds today. For gamma globulin and serum albumin are both products of a single blood donation. Gamma globulin, GG, is the medicine which prevents the crippling effects of polio. And serum albumin is the medicine used on the battlefield to sustain life in the wounded. These two miracle medicines are derivatives of our blood. But the process of extracting them is expensive. Your Red Cross has increased its budget this year to finance the project. So, parents, when you contribute to the 1953 Red Cross Fund appeal, remember the boys in Korea, the child in your own home and the child across the street, and give generously, won't you? And mothers, perhaps you can encourage others to give, that a child may walk, that a soldier may live. Answer the call. Contribute generously to the 1953 Red Cross Fund Appeal. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Hold it.
3: They're coming back for us.
1: Look, get up the stairs. Then out to their car and wait. They'll probably come down the outside stairs.
3: All right, but how about you?
1: I'll think Wait, of... hey, here's an empty wine bottle. Go on, hurry.
3: Be careful, Steve. Be careful. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hold it, what? Buster. Feel my gun in your back? See? Si. Blow you wide open if you try anything now. Drop your gun, quick. Kick it to one side. Okay, I'll call your buddy. Tell him to get down here. I. You heard me call him.
2: Rodriguez!
3: See? What is it? Come down here! What is it, Jose? You told me to stay in the car. It's a trap. Huh? You're so right.
2: You have no gun. It is a bottle. Sure is. Have a drink.
1: Let's go. We take a few assorted back streets out of the village then head for Tony's hometown, Coimbra. It's morning when we arrive. She directs me to the house of her uncle, Sebastian. It's quite a layout. He's apparently the money man of the family, and he's been taking care of her sick father. Ah, Tony, it's so good to see you.
3: Papa's better?
2: Of course, of course. He's gotten the best of care.
3: I do not know how to thank you.
2: For my own brother,
1: I need thanks? No, Tony, I'm the one to say thanks to Senior Mitchell for getting you home to us. Well, as long as things are pretty much in order on this end, I think I'd better be getting along. What? No, I insist you join the family for breakfast. You have met none of them. Thanks, but I want to talk to the authorities. Could you tell me where the police station is, Sebastian?
2: Of course. It's on the south side of the plaza in the center of town. Police Captain Rios in charge.
1: You say that Antonina actually arranged for her own deportation back here to Portugal? That's right, Captain Rios. She figured she might as well. The outfit which was using her kept holding it over her head, and she didn't want to do any more of their dirty work for them. Yes.
3: But I do not understand
1: why this envelope they give her to deliver contained dental x-rays. You and me both, Captain. Also, I don't understand why they tried to grab her back in that village.
3: Mm.
1: Well, in any event, you have delivered her safely home now. Your job is finished. I'm afraid not, Captain Rios. I've got to find out what's behind all this. You see, we know that the gent bossing the deal is head of a recognized subversive group back in the United States. Now, my job is to find out what he's up to. I see. Uh, what will be your next step, then? There, you've got me. They probably won't try to grab her again as long as she's with the rest of her family at her Uncle Sebastian's. Wait a minute. Maybe that's the answer. Eh, uh, what is? Captain, if Tony and her uncle will cooperate, I'd like to set up a little trap. Suggest danger endanger Tony's life. I don't think so, Sebastian. Look, Captain Rios has arranged for an empty apartment in town. There's a garage in the basement, and he and a police sergeant are waiting in the apartment. The
3: plan is for you to take me there?
1: Yeah, real conspicuous like, so anybody can follow us. Once inside, the police sergeant takes you down the back stairs to the basement and drives you back here. I'll leave by the front entrance and then double around the block and in the back. Rios and I will wait in the apartment and see who turns up. I don't know. Tony is safe here with her family. To help you in your plan, she might not be safe. Look, Sebastian, this is our best chance of luring this outfit into the open, so we can grab them, find out what's behind it, and put them out of business. Tony won't really be safe until we do. But uh... please, Uncle
3: Sebastian, I am really.
1: Yeah, very well. You have my permission. It's nightfall when I drive Tony to the apartment. Captain Rios and the sergeant are waiting inside in the dark. We turn on the lights and Tony walks back and forth in front of the window a couple of times. Then the sergeant sneaks her down the back stairs. I leave by the front and double around the block to the back. Rios and I wait. Pretty soon we hear steps in the hall. Someone fumbling at the door. We jerk it open. It's my sergeant. Hey, he's been beat up. Our plan's gone cockeyed. And they've got the girl. We head for the police station and throw out a dragnet, then half an hour later... Hello, Steve. Tony! Are you all right? Yes. What happened?
3: When the sergeant took me to the basement, he was attacked suddenly. A man grabbed him and forced me into the car. He drove me to an alley and questioned me, then he released me. What? Yes, just like that. What did he ask you? He wanted to know how much I had told the police. I said I had told them it was dental x-rays and the envelope I was to deliver back to the United States. And then he told me to get out of the car and drove off. (sighs) Oh...
1: Well, Mitchell, what do you make of that? The only thing I make of it is that I'm more in the dark than ever. At this point, it looks like the outfit I'm bucking is pretty sure of itself. I decide to put through a transatlantic phone call. I sure am, Commissioner. Cortez's outfit's up to something, but I don't know what. It doesn't make sense. They make Tony deliver an envelope of dental x-rays to a guy on a street corner. Dental x-rays? That's right. On her way, a guy tries to grab the envelope. A passerby comes to a rescue. A guy named Pod- Podesta, I think. Yeah, Eduardo Podesta. She continues on her way and delivers. Wait a
2: minute. This passerby. Did you say Eduardo Podesta?
1: Yeah. Why, the name ring a bell?
2: A fire alarm. A very important Italian diplomat has spent three weeks in this country incognito for some secret talks. He's been traveling under the name Eduardo Podesta. Oh,
1: brother, where is he now?
2: And moved back to Europe. Matter of fact, his plane's due at Lisbon in less than an hour. From there, he'll continue by boat to Italy.
1: Commissioner, this deal just started adding up at last. I'll check with you later. How fast can I get to Lisbon, Captain Rios? Mm, the army can fly you there in about 40 minutes. Good. Hey, Sergeant, get me Colonel Manta on the telephone, please. And huh? uh, now, Mitchell, suppose you tell me what this is all about. Huh? The dental x-rays were just a smokescreen. The whole deal was rigged so they could find out the name an Italian diplomat was traveling under. That way, they could find out what plane he was on and grab him on the way home. You mean they had one of their own men arranged to attack her when Podesta was in the vicinity? Sure. He must have had a habit of taking walks at night. Their timing was perfect. He gave his name to the policeman. Tony overheard it. And later, when they questioned her, she told them the name. Now, they're probably waiting in Lisbon for his plane to land. But you know something? They're going to have company. plane to Lisbon, we radio ahead and start the ball rolling. By the time we get there, everything's in order according to Colonel Menta, who's in charge of the arrangements.
2: The civilian plane carrying Podesta is landing now. He has been alerted by radio. That black sedan will pick him up at the plane, then drive into the tree line road at the edge of the field. You will
1: be waiting there. You will take Podesta's place in the car. I will pick up Podesta. You and your driver will be armed. The rest is up to you. I go over to the tree lined road. So far, everything's just dandy. That is, until I feel a gun barrel in my back. Stand still, Mitchell. What? Uncle Sebastian? Yes. So you're the ringleader. Sure, that explains how the outfit knew that Tony was an illegal entry. You tipped them off so they could use her. Exactly. Some uncle. Huh, that should be Pethesda's car approaching now. Step out and flag
2: it down. I want his briefcase. That would tell us what went on in our secret talk.
1: Move. Sebastian stays in the trees. His gun pointed at me. I step out onto the road. The driver sees me and slows down. Suddenly, I motion him on.
2: Stop it. Keep going.
1: The car roars ahead. I dive across the road in front of it just in time. Sebastian's taken by surprise. After it roars by, he runs out onto the road, and I meet him halfway. Mitchell, you'll take the gun. Thanks. Well, Sebastian, looks like you and your buddies just aren't going to get a peek at that little briefcase. You you fool to throw yourself across in front of an automobile that way. That's nothing. Back home, we've got thousands of people who can do that. A nation of madmen. Could be, but we call them Pedestrians. <laughs>
0: Star Brian Donlevy will return in just a moment. Now that spring is officially here, more and more of us will be getting out of doors and away from our living rooms during our leisure moments. And as the call of warmer weather takes you out of doors, once again we remind you that wherever you go, there's radio. So if you find your pleasure through a day at the beach, if your outdoor living means a ride into the country, or if your enjoyment of spring weather comes from digging in your garden, remember that you can take your radio entertainment with you wherever you go. And radio offers the finest in music, drama, mystery, comedy, and up-to-the-minute news. More than 22 and one-half million automobiles are now equipped with car radios. For Americans everywhere know that radio entertainment is fine entertainment. And remember, too, you can read and listen to the radio at the same time. Consult your local newspaper listings for the schedules of great programs this NBC station offers, and then set your dial here. Whether you're at home or away... For the finest in listening enjoyment.
1: Next week, the Caribbean. A race that turns into a dead heat. And that will be Steve
0: Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Featured in tonight's cast were Bill Conrad, Virginia Gregg, Harry Bartell, Tony Barrett, Ralph Moody, John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Each weekday, hear One Man's Family on NBC.